This is Orson Welles on the Air, featuring the old-time radio performances of the legendary Orson Welles. Welcome back to Orson Welles on the Air. Sorry it's been so long since our last episode. Hope to get back on a regular schedule here soon. But for now, we have an episode from the Orson Welles Radio Almanac, a series that aired over CBS stations from January to July of 1944, only produced 13 episodes. This one features guest Lynn Barry. It first aired June 28, 1944. Welcome, one and all, to the sign of the Flying Red Horse. of mobile gas and mobile oil bring you Orson Wells. <laughs> Hello, good evening. Good evening, everyone. This is Orson Wells. Tonight, the Mercury Wonder Show is pitching its tents at Camp Han, Riverside, California. We always do a little magic out here at the camp, and right now we're about to attempt a few experiments in mind reading. I'd like all of you sitting out here to concentrate. I shall endeavor to receive the mental impressions you were sending. Getting an impression already. Initials are J.C.L. Am I right so far, J.C.L.? You're a private first class. You're having trouble with your superior officer. Right now you're wondering if you should kiss and make up. Wait a minute. Am I getting your message correctly? Let's try it again. J.C.L. having trouble with your superior officer. Wondering if you should kiss and make up. Oh, I see. The officer you're thinking of is your wife, who's lieutenant in the WAC. So I fixes that up. Well, I'm glad we got that straightened out. All right, concentrate, please, everybody. I'm getting a thought. Somebody here is thinking of a blonde. Did anybody here have that thought? I see. Well, let me see if I can describe her for you. She's five foot six, brown eyes, weighs one hundred and ten pounds, and her telephone number is Crestview one six one six. Oh, that's not my mind. I'm reading. That's memory. Uh, let's see. All right, I'm getting a thought now from a private about halfway back in the auditorium. Correct me if I'm wrong. Last Friday, you didn't get up for Reveille. Got gig for inspection. Went AWOL for three days in a staff car. Now, let me see. Uh, what is the message you're trying to send me? I've got it. You're a little worried. <laughs> My advice to you, soldier, is to go to your first sergeant. Lay your cards on the table. Make a clean breast of this whole thing. After all, he's a human being. He'll understand. <laughs> After you've seen the first sergeant, go back to your barracks and say goodbye to your friends because you'll be gone for 90 days. <laughs> You're going on a little trip on the good ship SS Up the Crick. <laughs> and now to prove to you that I can really read your minds, I'm going to produce what you're all thinking of, that toothsome 20th century fox minx, Miss Lynn Berry. Lynn, we're very happy to have you here, but I think I ought to explain that we're playing Camp Han, not March Field across the road. Oh, I just stopped over there a moment to see some friends. But you really shouldn't stand around talking to those pilots so long before a flight. Why not? Well, before a takeoff, Lynn, all that's necessary is that the planes be warmed up. <laughs> and another thing, Lynn, you've got to be careful of those squadron leaders. Why? Well, the first thing you know, one of them will be asking you to come up and see his echelons. <laughs> Where did you disappear to? I haven't seen you since 3 o'clock. Well, I had a little trouble getting out of March Field. They wouldn't let me pass through the gate till I promised to kiss the sentry. Did you? Yes, 
But, Orson, do you think one gate should have 750 centuries? <laughs> Lynn, you mean to tell me you kissed all those men? Well, I tried to talk my way out of it, but those Air Corps soldiers have a language all their own. One of them said the strangest thing to me. What was it? He said, cut out the hubba hubba and three-point my pucker. <laughs> Well, I can explain that, Lynn. For the benefit of the radio audience, hubba hubba is aimless chatter. Three-point means to make a good landing, and if you don't know what a pucker is, you're either too young to be listening to Lynn Berry or too old to get a kick out of it. <laughs> how, Lynn, how about getting back here into Camp Han? Did the sentry at the gate ask you for a kiss here oh, at Camp Han? Oh, no, no. The sentries here are real gentlemen. <laughs> They are? Yes, they don't even ask. <laughs> you know, Orson, when I came in, I noticed that you were doing some very interesting experiments on mind reading. Oh, I was, I was, I was, Lynn. If you don't mind, I'd like you to assist me. Oh, do you want me to go down in the audience? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not unless you're packing a couple of weight gunners. No, Lynn, all you have to do is stand right here on the stage and place your hand on my forehead like this. Will you do that, please? Mm -hmm. That's right. Now, I'm getting a thought. Boy, am I getting a thought. Uh, <clears throat> this is embarrassing. The gentleman's initials are O.W. Wait a minute. That's my mind I'm reading. Well, anyway... Why was the phone? Excuse me, Lynn. Hello, I'll answer the phone. Speaking? Oh, it's not so hard to do. Just concentrate on the thoughts that people have come right into your mind. It's terribly simple. Try it sometime. You may be able to do it, too. Don't mention it. Goodbye. Who was that? Dunninger. <laughs> and now to get back to you, Lynn, I was about to read your mind. You have to help me. All right. You want me to go down to the audience? She's an eager little beaver, isn't she? Uh, well, no, Lynn, I just want you to stand there. Everybody wants you to go down to the audience but me. Uh, I just want you to stand here and concentrate. Are you concentrating? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm getting it now, Lynn. You little rascal. <laughs> I never knew you felt this way. You're thinking, Orson, take me in your arms, hold me close, whisper sweet words of love into my ear, and shower my upturned face with kisses. How's that? Am I receiving your thought waves correctly? Oh, brother, are you off the beam? <laughs> well, somebody was sending out that thought. Couldn't have been Dunninger again. Maybe we better try a different experiment. I'd like the assistance of some member of the audience, uh, a typical straight-thinking, clean-living GI member of the uh, audience. Uh, you, sir? Thank you very much. Uh, will you step right up? What is, uh, what is your name, please? Uh, yes, sir. Will you step right here? Yes. What's your name, please? Private Hubert Brill. Uh-huh. What were you before you joined the Army? A civilian. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. All right, Private uh, Brill, I want you to shake hands with Miss Berry. With this experiment... All right, soldier. All right. You can drop her hand now. You'll get a souvenir after the show. With this experiment... You aren't on sentry duty today, soldier. It's too late now. With this experiment, I shall attempt to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt the possibility of thought transference. Private Brill, I want you to stand here facing Miss Berry. I want you to make up your... Or rather, I want you to make your mind uh, a blank. Think you can do that? Wait a minute. You better stand a little further away. Are you getting anything, Lynn? Not yet. Maybe he's standing too far away. <laughs> Sometimes this works better. 
when the subjects are closer together, you know what I mean? Uh, soldier, do you mind coming over here and resting your head on Miss Barry's shoulder? Just... Not at all. Just rest your head on It's awfully nice of you to cooperate with us in this way. That's the idea. Just rest your... Just rest your head on Miss Barry's shoulder and concentrate. Now, Lynn, as soon as you receive any impressions, jot them down on this slate. Uh, wait a minute, soldier. I said concentrate. Don't fall asleep. That's strange. We've done this trick in many camps. This is the first time in many camps that the subject has fallen asleep. Believe me, Horson, he's not asleep. <laughs> Good, then. Concentrate, soldier. Would you just write something on the slate, please, dear? Right. Thanks a lot. Just write that there. Ah, uh, Miss Barrett's getting an impression. Very good. Uh, now, let me see it when you've finished, Lynn. There you are. Uh-huh. It's very interesting. There's been no verbal communication whatsoever between the medium and the uh, subject. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. Uh, uh, the, uh, will you please hand me that eraser, soldier? We can't have anything like that. Would you just step down the audience? We can't have that kind of talk. I didn't, don't know what led you to believe Miss Barry could get you a three-day pass. <laughs> well, Johnny McIntyre, what's our mobile gas masterpiece for tonight? You know, I'm quite a connoisseur of commercials. What we need is a little intrigue for mobile gas. I suggest you start out... Does your gasoline act different lately? I like that. Well, uh, no, Orson, we don't put it that way. What we say is mobile gas today is giving all the good long mileage to the gave in peace to. I see, fine. Well, possibly you were planning an attack like mobile gas is not coffee. Don't expect it to taste like coffee. Mobile gas is a delicious beverage for your car. Why that kind of I don't think Orson has any confusion about mobile gas because it's America's favorite gasoline. We're pretty proud of that. Well, you could almost call it uh, the applause that refreshes. Mm -hmm. Well, then I firmly recommend that you try. Orson, uh, look, all I planned to say tonight was mobile gas is a darn swell gasoline. It's packed with every wartime mile it's possible to give you. Honestly, folks, you get real value from your ration coupons when you tear them out for mobile gas. It's mile worthy. Stop in at your friendly mobile gas dealer. Get set to say it. Mobile gas at the sign of the flying red horse. 99 and 4 one hundredth percent pure gasoline. Your car floats. Now, here's somebody who uh, sings. And I mean just that sing. G.I. favorite from Saskatchewan to Salerno, from Burma to Birmingham, from Rhode Island to Rome, Martha Tilton. Didn't I have my man? 
got no friends Ain't got no man I'll bet you can guess Just exactly what happened That was the end The end of my friends The end of my man And almost the end of me G.I. Fable entitled, Whenever I Go Out with a Wave or a Whack, I Always Carry a Spar for a Spare. Here's the situation. Here's the situation. Two weeks ago in the city of Los Angeles, there was opened an About Time 2, a canteen for service women. Well, Oscar, here we are at the canteen. Oh, what a mob. Yeah, they're all here tonight. Waves, whack, spar. Yeah. You're going right out on the floor? No, let's go in here and freshen up a bit. All righty. All right. Lend me your comb, will you, Harvey? Sure. Thanks. I hope those female commandos don't give me too much of a rush tonight. I've been on my feet all day at the plant. Yeah. Well, after all, Oscar, you volunteered for this. You signed up as a junior host. I know, I know, I know. Tell me, Oscar, doesn't it give you a nice feeling to be doing something for the girl? Oh, I'm not complaining. I like to dance with the wax, but those spars, they pinch you. Yeah. <laughs> Besides, they don't follow the rules. They know we're not supposed to make dates on the outside, and they keep asking for my phone number. Yes. Isn't it Aren't dreadful? they devils? Devils. Yes. It's tough to turn them down. You know that line they give you? Tonight may be our last night together. Tomorrow I'm shipping out. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> You know, Oscar, the one that kills me is when they say, you remind me of my brother. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. But they're a great bunch of girls. Oh, they bunch. sure are. They sure are. Well. Well, how do I look, Oscar? Great. Ah, uh, thank you. That seersucker suit ought to wow up. Yeah. 
let's go out on the floor. Say, here come a couple of hosts. Mm. Yeah, that one with the steer sucker suit ain't bad. <laughs> let's ask him to dance. Which one do you want? Well, I'm not going to lug that chubby one around. Hey, there's one that really should be working in the kitchen. Well, I think he's kind of cute. Hello. Hello, Hello, Hello fellas. fellas. What do you say, sis, sucker? You want to lend me the frame for the next struggle? Struggle? <laughs> struggle, you're a scream. A scream. Let's go. All right. How about you, Butterball? Would you like to sit this one out? <laughs> the name is Oscar, and I'd love to sit this one out. Here's a little table right here. There. How long have you been in, Private? Four months. Just finished my basics. What outfit you with? 112th Field Artillery. <laughs> Gee, that's a coincidence. Why? Do you know somebody in that outfit? My mother, Aggie Hollister. She's a supply sergeant. <laughs> Great girl, very popular with the gang. Mom tells me they may issue crepe de chine fatigues. Is there anything in that? <laughs> oh, that's that? just powder room rumor. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Doctor, <laughs> let's not talk shop. Uh-huh, you that... know, they have some pretty good entertainment at this canteen usually. Last week we had Cary Grant, Walter Pigeon, and Gary Cooper. But this week it's been a little slow. Who was here this week? Oh, some magician. I think his name was Orson Welles. <laughs> Orson Welles? They say he's a terrific Roomba dancer. Well, how can he help but Roomba with a rabbit in his back pocket? <laughs> That's not all rabbit, and let's change the subject. <laughs> uh, would, you, <laughs> would you like me to get you something to eat? Oh, not yet. Maybe a little later on. Gee, I hope they have what they had last They week. do, they do. They do? Yeah. Well, we usually don't get stuff like that in the Army. What was it? Chip beef on toast. Yum, yum. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. Oh, hmm? you tied up? Well, a lady Marine. Hit the road, Leatherneck. This is one situation the Army has well in hand. <laughs> don't get tough, old girl. I was just looking for a place to sit down. Well, there's a table over there. Happy landing. Okay, okay. Why didn't you let us sit here? Are you kidding? Once those Marines establish a beachhead, you're cooked. <laughs> Besides, I happen to know that gal, and believe me, she's a real sad sackhead. <laughs> Forget about her, Oscar. You know, I haven't been out with a nice boy in a long time. You poor kid. Would you like to hold my hand, soldier? Oh, gee, I sure would. Which one? Here, here's a nice one. Oh, you know something, Oscar? You remind me of my brother. I know. I mean, I do. <laughs> well, that's very nice. Soldier, please take your hand off my knee. Oh, don't be like that. This may be our last night together. Tomorrow I'm... I'm shipping out. I know. I mean, you are? <laughs> Certainly. What do you say? Let's get out of here and go someplace where we can be alone. I'm sorry. It's against the rules for us to have dates outside of the canteen. <laughs> Besides, I've got to be getting home now. Great, I'll take you. No, that's against the rules, too. Look, suppose you leave first and I just sort of follow no. you home. No, no, no. Come on, nobody will ever find I'm out. I'm sorry. 
The answer is still the same. Definitely and irrevocably, no. So this is where you live. I shouldn't have let you come. I'm just weak, I guess. Oh. <laughs> You're lovely. Let's go inside. Well, you can't come inside. We might wake Father. His new job gets him up very early. Well, what does your father do? Oh, manicurist. Dad feels that a man should stop at nothing to release a girl for active duty. But he feels, yes. Window open. Voice off. <laughs> that you down there, Oscar? Yes, father. What you doing? Nothing, father. A whack just walked me home. Come on up to bed. It's past 11 o'clock. Oh, Father, we're just talking. Uh, talking, sure. I know those soldiers. Start out with talking on the porch. That's a little gab in the vestibule. Then they're sitting with you on the sofa in the parlor. First thing you know, they're raiding the icebox. <laughs> I'm afraid I'll have to say goodbye right here, you see. Well, Father's... how about a little goodnight kiss? Father's very strong. I should say not. <laughs> Well, I know you soldiers. I give you a kiss. You tell the rest the whack. The whack will tell the waves. The waves will tell the spars. First thing you know, I'll be declared out of bounds. Oh, come on, Oscar. Just one little one. Now, please. I don't do those things. Oh, one little kiss isn't going to hurt you. Please, stop it. You're scratching me with your good conduct ribbon. Look, couldn't I... Look, couldn't I just come in for a minute? Sorry, I know those G.I. minutes. <laughs> All right, then. Won't you give me just one little more kiss under any condition? One little more kiss? Well, <laughs> might let you if you promise me one little more thing. <laughs> All right, anything. You won't forget? Cross your heart? Hope you never make OCS? <laughs> I promise. What do you want? A box of Kleenex from the PX. I wonder, friends, if you saw this little item. It was buried in the corner of your daily paper. It represents aviation history. Countless Allied bombers winged their way to Munich recently. Yes, Munich was their destination, but appearances were most deceiving. To fool the enemy, they went by way of Italy as far south as Milan before they turned for Germany and their objective. 2,000 miles of steady, non-stop flying. Friends, that kind of distance flying takes a powerful gasoline. And gasoline with flying horsepower makes this possible. Flying horsepower is a sensational new super fuel created by the makers of mobile gas. It gives aviation gasoline new power ingredients, enables planes to travel farther, travel faster and to carry heavier bomb loads. Flying horsepower, it's the product of 11 years of research of $90 million spent on new equipment and facilities. A refinery in Torrance, California, is producing flying horsepower, one of 19 units which comprise the greatest catalytic cracking program in the world. After victory, your car will benefit by flying horsepower. It's coming, friends, in mobile gas at the sign of the Flying Red Horse. As we've said before on this program... Jazz music comes from New Orleans. Now, this hasn't ever been satisfactorily explained, but I guess one of the good reasons is that no other city in America, in those days anyway, when jazz started, 
use brass bands for more reasons. Picnics, political rallies, Mardi Gras, even funerals. Funerals were important. Nobody in New Orleans ever thought of burying their kin without music. And that meant the funeral march, solemn, sober music all the way to the cemetery, up to the last moment when the preacher said those final words preachers say, and the first shovel full of earth fell on the coffin. And right then, the trumpets took a break, and there was a hot lick, and all the way back to town, there was jazz. That's one of the places where jazz was born on the way back from a burying. Tonight, our Mercury All-Star Jazz Combination reproduces for your information and delectation. A New Orleans funeral, old style. to read you some passages from the Bible and a letter of James. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of person. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there. Or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and have become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. So speak ye, and so do you, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does it profit, my brethren, Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food? And one of you say unto them, 
Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. From whence come wars and fighting among ye? Come they not hence, even of your lust? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Go to now, you rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have reaped treasure together for the last days. Behold... The hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord. Draw nigh. Tune in again next week, same time, same station, when the makers of mobile gas and mobile oil bring you Orson Welles with Lana Turner as his guest. Lynn Barry appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox, producers of Daryl F. Zanuck's Technicolor production, Wilson. John McIntyre speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Orson Welles on the Air. I'll be back next week with another one, I promise. Between now and then, you can find more from this show and more old-time radio at relicradio.com. There's also a shoutcast stream available there. You can find that and our donate button. Your donations make this all possible. Thank you very much to those who have donated. Thanks for joining me today. Talk again soon with another episode of Orson Welles on the Air. Orson Welles on the Air is produced by and for relicradio.com. Rebroadcast of this show without permission is strictly prohibited.